brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Number that England are looking at is seven right now. Folks, it's 35 from 56. What an innings it's been. Oh, that's a top edge. Top edge and out! Wagner takes the catch, Southie's done it! New Zealand one wicket away, can you believe it? Leg slip and play, short legs, silly mid-off, waiting for a pop-up. Oh, he swung it, he swung it! It's gone for four, it's gone through the fielder! And Jimmy Anderson has swung England away! They only need two, can you believe it? Two needed here for England. Flick down the left side! Flick down the left side! He's got it! Can you believe it? Wow, how incredible was that? How incredible the scenes at the Basin Reserve uh, mid-afternoon yesterday as that test match ebbed and flowed. It was just one for the ages and in the end, New Zealand won it. Fantastic. And uh, Neil Wagner, it'll be caught Blundell, old Wagner, for all time. And uh, as uh, that's so important, um, a moment in that test match... Uh, we're going to talk to Tom Blundell, uh, the man who took the catch, um, in uh, around about an hour's time. Uh, prior to that, though, we're going to be talking to Hayden Padden. Of course, he's just announced uh, overnight that he will be re-entering um, the European Rally Championship for this season. Uh, so that's exciting news. But uh, more importantly for him um, is uh, that he's playing in the New Zealand Golf Open as one of the star amateurs. So we'll uh, talk to Hayden about his golf game as, as much as his rallying. Uh, coming up uh, very, very shortly. Uh, we'll recap that uh, one-run win over England uh, with uh, Andrew... Um, sorry, um, uh, we'll, we'll be looking at that anyway, uh, around about uh, 9.25. Um, and then after that, we'll uh, look at the Warriors. They're naming their team. It's Team Naming Tuesday, isn't it? Uh, the name of the team to play Newcastle. So we'll look very closely at that as well. Um, yes, uh, Tom Blundell. And then we'll have a panel with Andrew Gordy and Graham Beasley. Graham Leg Break... Beasley, they call him. Leg break Beasley. Uh, he's from uh, Sports Freak. Um, and Andrew Gordy is a, an absolute cricket nut. So uh, we'll have a lot of reaction to that. We'll have uh, some texts coming in, uh, hopefully, from you on double eight double three, um, And we'll also have a stump smithy a little bit earlier than normal because at 11 o'clock we're doing a live barrier draw for the New Zealand derby. It's uh, being run at Tarapa this Saturday. It is worth a million dollars, a million dollars. So uh, we'll be joined, Louis and I will be joined by Craig Baker from Auckland Thoroughbred Racing. Uh, he will have the live barrier draw. We'll get reaction to that as well. So uh, interesting. And that'll take us through to uh, a chat with, um, we'll talk to Stephen Hunt. 
Um, we might uh, get hold of a trainer or two as well, and we'll have a, a catch-up too with Andy Thompson because it's being Wednesday, of course. It's Rural Roundup Day, and the show, of course, brought to you by Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier. Let's get on with that. Let's have a sermon, shall we? Let's just try over the sermon. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, I don't want to sound too romantic or corny, but hell, that was a great test match. When you look at the way England want to play for the game itself... It was nigh on perfect. Five days are designed for dominance, counter-punching, ebbs and flows, and a close dramatic finish, bringing all skills and variables into the game. The term test match was coined during the England to- English tour of Australia in 1861-62, but in a different context. It meant that the English team was testing itself against each of the Australian colonies. 161 years later, They are testing themselves against the world in an entirely different style. First official test was played 1877, 145 years ago. Not a hell of a lot uh, of them have possessed more drama than the good old Basin Reserve fronted up with yesterday. Both teams should have and probably did sit down last night in a communal dressing room and uh, they would have been in the concrete bowels of the Basin toasting the fact that regardless of the result, they did the longest form of the game a massive favour. Dying like hell it is. That was a great Kiwi victory by a side far from convincing in terms of its makeup or its recent record. It had to be Southie and Wagner, and it was. And it had to be 40-year-old Jimmy Anderson just to add to the drama, and it was. Was there a wide in the last over that would have tied the scores? The book says no. Honestly, it was the best of the best, not necessarily played by the best, but it did emphasise the value of Test cricket to the game. You see, had that been a white ball game, would we be talking about it this much or reminiscing about it in the decades ahead? No, we wouldn't. Well, not unless, of course, it was a World Cup final. Long live Test cricket. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Well, the New Zealand Golf Open tees off tomorrow, returning to our screens for the first time uh, since 2020, so it's fair to say the excitement levels are pretty high around here and even more so down in Queenstown. And we've looked at the professional field with Daniel Hillier yesterday. Today uh, we thought we'd give some love to the Pro-Am ambassadors, in particular one who dropped some very big news himself last night. Following on from his WRC 2 win at the Rally of New Zealand, Hayden Patton will be joining the European Rally Championship for a full season where the title has never been won by a non-European. But uh, he's got bigger business, bigger fish to fry in the immediate future because as a part-time golfer, he is part of the field in the New Zealand Open. Hayden, good morning to you. Thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks, Millie. Hey, we're not using up uh, any driving range time, are we, or anything? Uh, I don't think it's going to help my golf game, to be honest. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a backyard hacker that'll be out there uh, trying not to dig too many holes in the golf course. You are listed as a 12.9 uh, officially on the New Zealand Open website. That is far from a hacker, backyard hacker. Um, how, how long have you been playing golf? Uh, oh, it's actually always been something I've always played, with, especially with my granddad who used to be a greenkeeper. So it was always something that you did to get away from a sport or in you know, stressful times to, I guess, uh, relax a little bit. So, 
yeah, I've sort of played it always a, a bit on and off, but um, I always love New Zealand Open. It's just such a good tournament, and to be playing alongside the pros, it just really, you know, gives you a, a real awakening of just how good they are when you see them in the flesh. Well, the pros obviously plan for uh, quite a lot of money. In fact, I think the first purse is 297000 this year, which is great. What about the competitiveness amongst the amateurs? Uh, yeah, I think it's especially between us uh, ambassadors, uh, there's definitely a bit of competitiveness, um, you know, between Fleming and I uh, see uh, Brendan McCollum's down uh, arriving today, obviously. Um, uh, Ella, Izzy, uh, between us, we, we give each other a bit of stick, so uh, for sure we're, we're comparing notes at the end of the day, and um, yeah, it's, just, it's a really enjoyable week, to be honest, and, uh, you know, especially this week in Central Targa and having it back for the first time in three years, it's, uh, it's felt like a while. The serenity of, uh, of a golf course compared to um, the frantic nature of what you do for a living uh, couldn't be further apart, could they really, to be honest? Uh, yeah, very contrasting. Uh, that's why I actually quite enjoy the relaxing nature when you're out on the golf course, uh, you know, from an amateur point of view anyway. You can just take in the scenery and enjoy a good walk and um, obviously in the rally car it's, it's, it's full noise, it's full speed, it's full adrenaline. Um, you can do anything but relax. So, uh, yeah, very, very different. What's your preparation been this week? Have you been uh, able to see all of the holes uh, at Millbrook because of they're using two courses this time round? I uh, haven't actually been out yet. So, because uh, our season, our rally season starts next week in Portugal. So, we've been super busy trying to get everything ready for that before we get out on Sunday. Um, but we'll get a practice round in today and. Um, I find my best golf happens when you just rock on up and just um, hit the spots and uh, and hope for the best. What about the social side of it? Tell us a wee bit about the, the social side of it. Yeah, it's, as I say, it's a really cool week. Um, you know, between the ambassadors and the volunteers and, and everyone getting together for functions afterwards. Um, it's, it's about, you know, you've obviously got the pros who are there, obviously, for their you know, for their living and, and for what they do um, day in, day out. But, you know, it's, it's also about everyone else involved in the event. And uh, as I say, there's events each night, there's dinners, they've got the Champions Lounge where everyone catches up after the game. And it's just a really cool vibe and, and uh, atmosphere to be part of. Right. Um, out of the pro field, we've got um, uh, some fairly high-profile um, New Zealand golfers. Do you, do you know much about Stephen Elka or uh, Daniel Hillier? Yeah, certainly been uh, following Steve quite a lot, obviously, what he's been doing over in America. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool to see him back in, on New Zealand shores. And um, I think it's going to be a, a, an awesome battle between young and old, and, and it'll be interesting to see if he can come out on top. OK, let's uh, get to uh, the other side of uh, the reason we wanted to talk to you this morning. Hayden, of course, is uh, the press release coming through uh, last night that uh, certainly uh, soon after the New Zealand Open, you're, you're off to Portugal. Uh, March the 11th for the first round um, there, along with uh, your regular co-driver, John Kennard. What did you decide to get back into it, mate? You've been around so long. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like John and I, we've been together now in the car for 18 years, so we're as good as a married couple. Um, but, you know, he's, he's loving it as much as what I am, and, and we're driven. We've still got things in unfinished business in Europe. Um, obviously, we were ramping up to it a little bit last year with a select European program, and then now to get back with a full championship over there this year, and a little bit of a pivot from what we were initially planning on doing with the, with the WRC too, uh, but we feel the ERC offers us more opportunity, more value. Um, it's better for the budget, uh, and of course, there's a bit of history there we'd like to try and rewrite. Okay, so tell us a, a wee bit about the car you've uh, decided to drive this time around. 
Yeah, so it's the same Hyundai i20 in Rally 2 car that we were driving last year. Um, so same sort of car that we had at Rally New Zealand, uh, apart from, okay, it's the same car, but it's a different car if you like. So we're, we're leasing that through an Italian team that we're, we're running with. Um, we're, we're working alongside the Italian team to, to, I guess, double down in terms of the resources and the expertise. Um, but then, of course, we'll still have our Rally 2 car here in New Zealand that we'll hope to do some events uh, in this side of the world as well. So... Um, we've announced a European campaign, but we've still got a New Zealand program and calendar to put together as well. So um, it's going to be a very, very busy season. You mentioned uh, the relationship with uh, John Kennard. Uh, this will be your 18th season uh, together. What's what's so special about that dynamic? Uh, well, when, when John and I first started working together, he was he was essentially my teacher, if you like. Uh, he, he's a bit older than me, obviously, but... Um, yeah, he was the one that helped teach me a lot of the ropes, and uh, at that early stage when I was quite inexperienced. Whereas nowadays, you know, after so long together, we just know each other's job. Um, you know, even that John's been involved in the sport for so long, he still loves it just as much as what I do. So, when you've got that passion for it, we've both got that drive to win. Uh, and when we know each other inside out in terms of how we work, then it's, it just makes it easy. And you know, things like that, you need you need to be easy to make the results. Um, try and come a bit, a bit better. I was just thinking the way that he's able to direct you around with the turns, the distances, the speeds, etc. like that, he'd make a hell of a caddy. I don't suppose he's caddying for you, is he? <laughs> yeah, but his golf's terrible. So uh, I wouldn't tell him that, though. But, um, but uh, yeah, no, he, he, I, I couldn't do what he does. So, uh, but, yeah, no, luckily I listen to him when we're out in the stages. Um, the problem is with a caddy and a golf course, even if they tell you to hit it somewhere, I can't hit it there anyway, so... <laughs> I, I think you're, I think you're underwriting your, your skills a wee bit on twelve point nine. Um, okay, let's look at also uh, twenty twenty three. The the entire season it looks to be uh, a busy one for you, including uh, plenty of racing back here in New Zealand. Yes, yeah, so obviously seven rounds of European Championship. Uh, we'll be doing New Zealand Rally Championship as well. We we'll just need to confirm what car we'll be doing that in. Um, but then that means a lot of back to back weekends. Where one weekend we're competing in Europe and the following weekend in New Zealand. Uh, but then of course, we've also got a lot, a lot of um, events with the EV rally car that's still ongoing development. Um, so that's in Australia that we're heading to in a couple of weeks' time for an event over there. So yeah, I think we're talking uh, upwards of about 20 events over 40 weeks, which in motorsport terms is a lot, um, considering you know rallies can take up to seven or eight days each. So yeah, it's going to be pretty full on year. In New Zealand, you'll be uh, continuing to race uh, your Hyundai Kona EV car. Uh, of course, uh, you've trialled this and raced this before. How how how's that particular type of car, electric rally car, uh, developing since uh, when you first tried them? Yeah, every time we drive it, we're learning more. The car's getting quicker. Uh, it's actually, despite obviously, it doesn't make the same noise that we all love in motorsport. Um, you know, if you put that aside, it's the best car I've ever driven from a handling perspective and what it feels like from inside the car um, it's faster than the combustion equivalent um, and we're just waiting on our new battery now which is about two years delayed uh, but it, we've got um, hope in the horizon that it should be here hopefully within the next six months and then once we get that new battery in the car it unlocks a whole new potential of where we can take that car performance and uh, range wise so that's the next step and then we'll hopefully then start getting it competing in full length rallies. Um, so it's, it's an ongoing process and a little bit slower than what we'd like in terms of that development but we're at the mercy of some of our suppliers and, and, and um, products uh, from overseas. 
What about the buy-in from other drivers uh, around the world into um, uh, EVs? Is it is it slower than you thought it would be, or uh, is there a a real desire to integrate it quickly overseas? Uh, it's a double-edged sword. Like between die-hard rally fans or motor fans, there's definitely a reluctance, uh, and I understand completely. I'm a petrol head like anyone else in the sport. Uh, but then on the other side of it, you know, the, the sport at the top end has to adapt new tech. Uh, you know, the manufacturers and automotive industry is changing so quick. If our sport doesn't adapt, therefore there'll be no investment from manufacturers or corporates to even make our sport um, possible. So if you carry on with combustion cars, it will eventually become equivalent of, you know, car manufacturers selling cars but racing horses and other going to put money into that? No. So... We have a responsibility if we want our sport to grow and survive, we have to adapt, and that's what we're trying to do. And you know, I must say, when people see this car for the first time in action, they often change your mind a little bit because it is quite still spectacular to watch uh, with your own eyes. Um, so it is just a transitional period. No one likes change. Um, you know, things are going to keep developing, and I think you know, in five years' time, an EV rally car will be very different to what an EV rally car is now. What what would give you the biggest buzz? I mean, you're so used to uh, being on the start line and, and getting the green light to go in terms of rally, or standing on the first tee at Millbrook uh, with the television cameras on you about to drive. Uh, uh, what gives you the biggest buzz? What makes you more nervous? Uh, definitely more nervous on the first tee box at the golf. <laughs> Uh, it's amazing, you're sitting there, even if there's only half a dozen people around the tee box, you're sitting there and you're just, your hands are shaking, literally shaking, and you can't hang on to the golf club. So, yeah, I normally put on a helmet and hide in the car, and then no one sees you, so it's much easier. <laughs> so what's the program today? Uh, we'll head out this afternoon for a practice round. Um, so uh, actually, Brendan's flying in, so we'll have a practice round with uh, Brendan McCallum, uh, McCallum and Stephen Fleming. Um, so looking forward to getting out in the course with them, and then uh, first round, Kicks off tomorrow, uh, so we've got two rounds, and then the amateurs uh, get cut down uh, for Saturday and then cut again for Sunday. So if we can try and make Saturday, that's sort of my own personal goal, but I guess we'll get through Thursday and Friday first. Well, on behalf of us, make sure you give Brendan McCullum uh, a, a gobful uh, because it was us that won the test match yesterday. But I also, I'd also warned you to just stand a, a yard or two further away than you normally would because I think you probably would have had a big night last night. <laughs> yeah, I'll be careful what I say. Okay. Hey, Hayden, uh, congratulations, uh, first of all, on the announcement. Uh, We shall follow your progress so closely, as we always do in the European uh, Rally Championship. Uh, And enjoy the next uh, four or five days down south. It should be a lot of fun. Thanks for your time, mate. Appreciate it. Great. Thanks very much. Cheers. Uh, Hayden Patton there, of course, uh, New Zealand's number one rally driver. Has been for donkey's years. Uh, He's also, uh, of course, in the next three to four days, an ambassador for the New Zealand Golf Open, playing as an amateur of a 12.9 handicap and uh, he is playing alongside a Nelsonian by the name of Ryan Chisnell. Uh, they are due to tee off on Thursday at 12.21 so it's a very friendly, a very friendly uh, tee off time for him. Um, uh, they'll be playing the Coronet course there on uh, round two if you're down there following and you're a rally fan. Uh, round two he starts off a lot earlier. They get a 7.40am off the first tee on the Remarkables course. Terrific weekend coming up for the golfers in New Zealand. 9.22 here on SENZ. Days are for the punt. You know that by now, so join us on The Good Oil for just that. The Good Oil, each Saturday from 1pm on SCNZ.
brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Uh, 9.27 here on SENZ and we're going to continue to reflect on uh, yesterday's wonderful uh, one-run win over England at the Basin Reserve, including a reflection from our very own uh, McCarty. McCarty, who was uh, calling it uh, yesterday for uh, for Talk Sport. Uh, what did he think of it? This was his reaction last night on the run home. Gosh, we're lucky to get him on. Well, less than half an hour after the fact. Daniel McCarty, come on in and celebrate with us. What about that? I don't know how players deal with stress, but how do you deal with stress? Because I am so strung out. I feel like I've had about 15 cups of coffee in the last 20 minutes. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm a little bit emotional watching that. Yeah. Just incredible. Chris, do you know this? It's a privileged position what we do covering yeah. live sport. I'm going to cherish today. I'm going to cherish the last five days for as long as I live, and I hope that's a very long time. This was, was truly extraordinary. Uh, in terms of victories and this black cap side, where does it rank for you? Well, it's the freshest in the memory and the most extraordinary of circumstances. Mm. It's going to be right up there for anyone who was at this ground over the five days. Uh, the tension was almost unbearable at times inside the Basin Reserve over the last couple of hours, the swings, the roundabouts. The, the subplots, not only today, just throughout this whole test match, it's, I know there's nothing really riding on it. World Test Championship points aren't up for offer. But we've drawn a series um, against England, meaning they haven't won here since 2008, meaning we now haven't lost 11 straight series at home. That's something to be proud of. But the game itself, simply the game itself, just uh, 21 for three both teams were in the first innings. I don't know how we got to day four, let alone day five. <laughs> and we were... We, we were we're at tea on day number five. It's a, a truly, truly magnificent spectacle. Well done to England. But, boy, shouldn't we be proud of the way this New Zealand side has fought back? They, they look like England were going to steamroll away, a bit like they did late in the first Test match. But the fighting quality, as I said to the talk sport guys of the United mm. Kingdom, and I must admit, it was a bit of a thrill being around English uh, commentators when New Zealand <laughs> won that game. We, yes, we, might, we, might be, we might be little old New Zealand at the bottom of the world, but boy, our sporting teams have huge hearts, mm. and they really show that today. And what an incredible afternoon that was, Smithy, because, I mean, for many reasons, uh, but your birthday as well, the Black Caps sure gave you one heck of a present, didn't they? Well, I tell you, I mean, I, I was out and about yesterday afternoon, so um, I didn't see a heck of a lot of it, I'll be honest with you, but I was keeping up to date with it on my on my phone. Um, and, uh, you know, the ebbs and flows of that test match when uh, Stokes, uh, who's done it so often before, when Ben Stokes, when they couldn't get Ben Stokes out for a while with Joe Root just prior to lunch, I thought, here we go again, Stokes is going to just nurse his side mm. home here. And, and, and what a great double for Joe Root, big 100 and then a 95. Incidentally, came Williamson getting man of the match. I, was, um, I suppose that's a fair choice because his innings uh, did uh, rebuild New Zealand's chance of winning the game um, in terms of uh, getting us, uh, you know, when we were following on, getting us to the point where we had a lead, which we could try and defend. And, of course, we did in the end. So I suppose in terms of the match, but what a match Joe Root had. What an unbelievable match Joe Root had. We talked about the run out of Michael Bracewell. Uh, the silly run out of Michael Bracewell. Uh, and then uh, the following day, we get the silly run out of Harry Brock, probably the most influential player in England at the moment. So, 
It just had so much drama, absolute so much drama. So uh, we're going to look to uh, continue that drama after 10 o'clock when we catch up with uh, one of the heroes in Tom Blundell. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we're going to do uh, Stumped Smithy uh, a little bit earlier today because uh, we have a commitment at 11 o'clock in terms of uh, the barrier draw for the derby. Um, so we shall uh, call, ask you to call now, 0800 Why not? 0800 uh, get on the phone and uh, we'll give you the opportunity to win a bonus bet from the TAB for 50 bucks, which you might want to put on a horse in the derby. It is coming up to the news uh, with Araha, and then we'll uh, wait for your calls. Brian is waiting for them now. Thank you. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. And like Neil Wagner, we're keeping you on your toes by doing Stumped a little bit early, two hours early to be uh, to be fact. Smithy, because we do have the live barrier draw for the New Zealand Derby from 11 o'clock, looking forward to that one. Really enjoyed the last one we did uh, a few weeks ago for the Cracker Million. But we're going to play Stumped now for a $50 TAB bonus bet. I know you're riding an absolute wave of emotions after yesterday. I'm so keen to carry it on. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I think most sports fans will be. Uh, those that are able to watch it, those who are able to listen to it, or those that were able to hear about it from uh, one particular source. But it had uh, some severe moments, and I'm sure this uh, little contest we're having right here and now, Logan, will have uh, just as much drama, especially when we get to question three. There is a $50 <laughs> bonus bet up for grabs from the TAB. So uh, let's get uh, stuck in, shall we? Who's uh, on the line this morning? Well, I can guarantee you there is no mancad situation here. That has been reviewed by the uh, match committee after yesterday. Barry from Palmerston North is at the cruise. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, good, thank you. Hey, Smithy. Hey, Barry, how's it going down there? Yeah, good, mate. Hey, what, what, what a great birthday present that was for you, eh? Great birthday present for anyone yesterday. It don't matter when yeah. your birthday is. If you love cricket, uh, what a treat oh, that was. Because, uh, of course, that, we've that, been struggling. That, 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 that's like 20, 28th of February. But, you know, we're not <laughs> going to forget that. Yep. No, we're not. Uh, 28th of February, 2023. The day that was. And this hey, is hey, uh, the first... Yes, Barry? Is, is, your golf, is, your golf, is your golf club not knocked around, is it? No, no, uh, Bridge Par, where I play over in Hastings here, is um, is pretty well intact, almost unscathed. I think they lost one, maybe two trees, which is amazing because there's a lot of trees on the course. Uh, but right. um, no uh, no flooding damage. In fact, they're playing host to um, uh, Napier Golf Club members and Maranui Golf Club members um, uh, free of charge. Uh, when tea times are available, they're quite welcome to come over and play on uh, Bridge Par. So uh, that's the fellowship right. that golf brings. And uh, yeah, those courses, yeah, uh, Mar- Maranui Nui and uh, Napier Golf Club, will be a long time in the repairing. I can promise you that, Barry. Oh, so thanks for yeah, yeah, thanks for your consideration. But we're okay. We're okay, man. Okay, let's get on with it. What are the, what are the what are the subjects today for Barry? All right, the topics to choose from today, Barry, are basketball, rugby, and cricket. Take your pick. Jeez, <laughs> um, I, I hear all the golf questions yesterday. I, I, I I'm. <laughs> I've got to go cricket, even though I'm playing into the the, the, the experts' hands here. Yeah. All right, good luck. First question for you, Barry. 
The Black Caps' second test win over England at the Basin Reserve yesterday marked only the fourth time the team that was forced to follow on has then won the match. Who top scored for the Black Caps in their first innings? Um, uh, One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Over to the keeper, Smithy. Well, they only got 209, and I'm pretty damn sure that Tim Southey uh, smacked 70-odd. So I'm saying out of the 209, Tim Southey's two, uh, 70-odd with all those sixes was probably the, uh, the best score. Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, and away it goes. Yep, that's correct, Smithy. Tim Sally, 73 off 49 balls. So you have to think how influential that innings alone was mm. to get us there. Coincidentally, if you want to know the country who has lost all three times after enforcing the follow-on, it's Australia. Mm. It is. You're dead right. And uh, they, they, they don't like doing it anymore. They <laughs> no. really don't. In fact, I'm going to ask Tom Blundell about that. That caught me by surprise, um, forcing the follow-on. Just wonder what the New Zealand were thinking at the time. Right, OK, who have we got next? Mark from Christchurch. You ready, mate? You ready for some cricket? Yep. All right, let's, let's go. go. Second question. New Zealand's highest wicket-taker across all formats... Uh, and Test Captain Tim Southey now finds himself 10th equal on a list that includes the likes of Adam Gilchrist, Yarkulis, Chris Cairns, and Sir Vivian Richards. Can you name that list? I'm looking for a Could stat. Could you just repeat that? Sure. Could you repeat that? Yeah. Uh, Tim Southey finds himself 10th equal on a list that includes the likes of Gilchrist, Carlos, Chris Cairns, and Sir Vivian Richard. Can you name that stat list? Is it the all-rounders? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. To be fair, it's a bit of a tricky one here from Brian Smithy. Over to you. Right, uh, Mark, I'm going to, because I'm a, a good guy and you're from Christchurch, I'm going to give you a second opportunity here by oper- offering you another clue. It's about the batting side of what Tim Southey does, all right? The batting side of it. So he's on a list. He's tenth, tenth on a list of, uh, in terms of batting, what he what he's known for. Oh, I, I, I'm going to have to pass. I haven't got a clue. The bowlers bat are all rounders to me. So, all right, Smithy, you have a crack. Yeah, he is. Um, he's tenth on the list of people that have hit sixes in Test cricket. Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, and away it goes. That is correct. Also the only player inside the top 60 without a test century to his name. What a list to be on, Smithy. Yeah, it is, actually. Um, and he threatened it, didn't he? He threatened it in his very first test uh, at McLean Park in Napier when he scored 77, I think, against the uh, very same England. Dealt to Monty Panesar that time around. So, yeah. Um, so uh, he... he, he uh, the way he plays, he'll continue to move uh, up that list. There's no doubt about it. Vivian Richards. Go past Vivian Richards. Good luck. <laughs> well, we did have a third person in line, but they've dropped off. So it's kind of given you another lifeline here, Mark. Uh, so we'll give you one more crack at Stumped for a $50 TAB bonus bet. What Black Caps bowler took the most wickets in this Basin Reserve test? Oh, 
One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithy. Well, it wasn't Bracewell. It wasn't. It was not Matt Henry. Only got one in the second innings. Uh, they only had four proper bowlers, and if it's not Neil Wagner, it can only be Tim Southey, surely. One of the worst things I have ever what? seen done on a cricket field. Mmm, Smithy, it was Matt Henry. Four, Matt Henry? Four wickets in the first innings, two in the second. Oh, wow. Okay, well, there you go, Mark. You are the beneficiary of uh, me not caring about stats. So uh, here's the thing. Um, just stay on the line. Stay on the line. Brian, uh, the quiz writer, uh, will take your details. Oh, I should have got that. Uh, and um, and uh, we'll make sure you get that. We'll get, make sure you get that bonus bet and, and enjoy it, mate. You might want to put it on the, the derby coming up this weekend. We've got the barrier draw just after 11 o'clock this morning. Have a terrific day, Mark. Thanks for taking part. On. Okay, right, uh, 9.42 here on SENZ. Right, let's uh, get across now to uh, Logan Swinkles, according to my script here, because he has some news of uh, the Warriors, I believe, um, and uh, it's Team Naming Tuesday. Yeah, Team Naming Tuesday yesterday, so all excitement here for those that are into their rugby league and looking forward to the Warriors coming back. The Warriors have named as follows at fullback Charles Nickel Clockstad. You've got Dallin Watini Zalesniak on the wing. On the other wing, you have Marcelo Montoya. And their centres, Brayden Williami and Adam Pompey. The halves, Sean Johnson and Tamari Martin there at number six. And the forwards, Aidan Fanua Blake, Wade Egan, Mitchell Barnett, Jackson Ford, Murata Niakore, and Tohu Harris, the captain there at 13. And an interchange that features Dylan Walker, Bunty Afoa, Josh Curran, and Tom Ali. I think the one question mark there, Smithy, uh, sort of gauging from the fans, is Adam Pompey getting the start over Viliami Valia. But perhaps that just sort of comes down to performance over the trials. That's what the fans think. What does Justin Morgan think? Or well, he was on the run home last night. You know, if you were to write down what you thought our starting 13 or starting 17 was, you know, at the start of December, it'd be pretty, it'd look pretty much like this team. Um, obviously, Luke Metcalf, most probably could have definitely come into contention. So Bailey Seren and Joe Stavanger, who both on the injury list were, would have been in contention as well. But certainly a very strong team. Really happy with the pack. Um, you know, Adam Fanua Blake, you know, Mitch Barnett and Toru Harris, you know, in the middle of the field, they're going to add some real steel for us and some combination. And we're really excited about what Dylan Walker's brought to the group. Um, you know, he's a great competitor at training, but he's, a, he's an extremely, you know, um, intelligent rugby league player. And we're really excited about him being on the field at the same time as Toru. You know, they're both really good ball players and should be able to set up some of the other forwards into some space in attack. So, um, it'll be nice to be able to use our bench with a little bit of, I suppose, from a tactical point of view um, and, you know, put him on. He can play a number of different positions, but he'll certainly be coming on if all things go well into that, you know, that lock forward position and, you know, adding another ball player to the middle of the field. So we're seeing quite a few names there, Smithy. Six, of course, are the new signings. What I'm looking forward to seeing more of uh, is Jackson Ford. I think he uh, looked pretty good in the trials after coming over from St. George Illawarra. 
Surprisingly, well, not surprisingly, coincidentally, sorry, only four players in the starting lineup were starters in the Warriors' last NRL match uh, last season against the uh, Gold Coast Titans. So, really curious to see. The trials is one thing, Smithy. We're up to the regular season now. This is the real deal. Are we going to see any different? I'm looking forward to uh, one. We've got the live commentary here on ECNZ with uh, Sam Hewitt and Tony Kemp on Friday. And also on Friday, we've got. We've got the big boss, Cameron George, coming on the show. Oh, cool. I uh, look forward to talking to uh, Cameron uh, on a couple of issues. Uh, so, yep, uh, Warriors. Uh, and uh, with uh, Kempe and uh, Sammy Hewitt, uh, live commentary, 6 p.m. Friday night. Look forward to that as well. It's 9.45, um, and uh, we'll be back shortly with uh, a multi. Uh, as we look to uh, talk to Tom Blundell just after 10 o'clock. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold up. Know when to fold up. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Right, uh, yesterday we missed out because, uh, and I don't care we, that we missed out because we were waiting on uh, the result between New Zealand and England in the test match. Uh, I took England. Uh, and of course, uh, New Zealand got up uh, with uh, one run to spare, basically. So uh, we missed out on the multi, but uh, not too sad about that today. Uh, we shall go uh, a mixture of basketball with uh, some football to kick in as well. Uh, Toronto Raptors to beat uh, the Chicago Bulls at $1.49, Logan, or like that. Liverpool to beat Wolves uh, in football at $1.45. And Spurs to beat Sheffield United. That's uh, another one tomorrow as well at $1.72. $1.49 to $1.45 to $1.72. $3.71 would be the end result of uh, that multi. Um, we've got some uh, text to read out. We'll do that uh, when we return in the lead up to 10 o'clock. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Texts that have come in this morning, all cricket related, uh, which is understandable. Marina Smithy, great test match. Uh, Blundell would have been my man or my player of the match with runs and keeping. Really disappointed that RNZ uh, can't supply us with test cricket on New Zealand on the radio anymore. No power, no internet still in places, just the tranny, etc. And I'm sure Marshy, yeah, a lot of people listen to it on the tranny if they could uh, find a place to listen it to. Oh, what I will say on this is that um, uh, SEN and SENZ are trying every possible avenue to get as many sports rights, broadcasting rights, as they can, and that'll be ongoing, I can promise you that. So whilst it didn't happen this time around, and every time it goes into the, the mixing pot for bids, etc., or rights come up for grabs, um, you will find uh, that SENZ uh, in this country, SEN in Australia, uh, will be very competitive. Um, so um, if it's not this time around, hopefully in the future. So uh, that's what I can tell you from, from that point of view. Uh, question um, which we might ask, actually, how hungover is Tom Blundell and the rest of his teammates? Well, they deserve to be pretty hungover, uh, although a lot of them are family men and uh, perhaps will have um, headed home last night or even had a celebration they'll be heading home today so um, yeah um, here's a good one from Carlos and Carlos does send a, a lot of very good texts in I watched history in 1986 at Trent Bridge uh, I was yeah you were behind the stumps Paddles was player of the series with 19 wickets in 1999 Stephen Fleming 
led us to a series win after losing the first test at Edgebaston, then going on to win 2-1 with wins at Lords, and the Oval player of the series, Chris Cairns, with 19 wickets. Yesterday, Michael Bracewell influenced the outcome with catches and runouts. His uncle, John Bracewell, scored at the only century at Trent Bridge in 1986. These are our three best victories over England. Very good, Carlos. Uh, enjoyed reminiscing through those numbers there. Um, Jared says, yes, by the barest of margin, Smithy. What a test match, one of the best of all time, and considering the black gaps uh, followed on. That's the amazing thing. Uh, you know, when you are asked to follow on, you're basically out of the game. You're just trying to claw your way into respectability. Uh, but then uh, it's happened so few times in history to actually go past to the extent where you give yourself a chance uh, to bowl the opposition out and having a most unlikely victory, that becomes a different set of uh, circumstances. Jared, absolutely spot on with that observation. Uh, love your text. Right, uh, coming, up to, uh, ten, coming up to 10 o'clock here on SCNZ. Um, a lot of texts about Tom Blundell his part in this test match, his career as New Zealand's wicketkeeper batsman just continues to grow so uh, we shall talk with uh, Tom straight after the news here with Araha Special Time He would be available we'll have a panel with uh, Andrew Gordy and uh, Graham Beasley leg break Beasley, Beasley they call him uh, out of Sports Freak not uh, sure what Andrew Gordy bowled um, we'll uh, also have uh, some more texts to come through, please, on double eight double three. Text us, uh, text us with your uh, reaction to uh, uh, what you saw yesterday and uh, how you feel about yesterday. Um, and then uh, at 11 o'clock this morning, uh, Louis Herman Watt will be uh, rejoining the show, of course, after the breakfast show. We'll be doing the barrier draw for the New Zealand Derby, of course. The Derby this year uh, will be raced at Tarapa. Um, it's uh, a million-dollar race, of course. So I've got plenty uh, of importance about it. Uh, we'll be hoping too to talk to uh, one or two of the trainers who are affected by the draw, hopefully favourably uh, for the sake of uh, their horses. Right, uh, this is a special time uh, to be able to talk to this young man, uh, Tom Blundell. Uh, Black Cap number 273 is at 24 test matches, uh, 400s, 950s, should have 500s to be fair. Uh, he's averaging in the mid-40s already in test cricket. We wondered... Uh, how we were going to replace uh, BJ Watling and what a sterling career he had. But we need not one uh, have worried for too long. Tom Blundell has been doing a remarkably good job with the gloves and with bat. Uh, and uh, this morning, on, uh, the morning uh, after a famous victory, Tom, uh, thanks very much for your time. Um, it's so good of you to come on. No worries, mate. No, pleasure to be here. Yeah, it was a nice night last night, um, you know, after a nice victory. So, uh, yeah, pretty happy. Hey, look, uh, I heard on the, the news, and it's been a tradition for quite some time, actually, the bowlers hop on a limo when you have a win and you head up the top. Do they invite the keepers still? Yes, they do. Um, normally, I think it, was, it started from, um, it was a keepers thing, and then um, I think BJ, BJ organised the limo, got the bowlers in there, and um, headed up to Mount Vic for a bit of a toast and um, celebration. So you know, uh, what, what, are you allowed to tell us? You just, you just get up the top there and, and look over, back down over the basin and around the harbour, etc., and just raise a glass and, and recount the, the stories, yeah? Yeah, it was pretty much just, um, we, we got a bottle of champagne um, and it, we had a nice uh, wee toast. Um, Timmy said a few words um, and sort of reflected um, over the last five days, um, but it was quite nice. Uh, it was a beautiful night in Wellington. Um, we could see the basin reserve from Mount Vic, and um, it was, it was uh, just a fitting moment. 
Well, Tom, you went to school at Wellington College, which is uh, basically a, a wedge away from the Basin Reserve. Did you ever think all those years of walking to and from uh, Wellington College you'd be part of a victory like that? Special, quite romantic, actually. Um, yeah, it is. It's, it's, uh, it's quite a weird sort of feeling. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time, obviously, at Wellington College and coming down to the Basin watching New Zealand play and um, to get the chance to be part of a, a game like this, um, representing New Zealand, it's pretty special and something that I'll probably never never ever forget Well Tom uh, your biggest thrill in cricket from a team perspective you feel? Yeah definitely I think um, you know that sort of game is going to be pretty hard to top um, you know to be to, to be put in a to bat again um, following on and then to win, win by such a small margin um, you know it's one of those games that's going to be um, be remembered for a long long time did you sense that uh, they would ask you to follow on? Uh, because it's not the trend these days, is it? No, it's not. Um, yeah, it was quite a quite a strange one. I guess we'll we'll probably ready go ready to bowl again. Um, if you saw like Waggy was ready when he got out, or he was running off to um, to um, be to prepare to bowl again. So yeah, it was it was quite um, a strange one. But um, you know the, the way they're playing their, their cricket, you know, at the moment they're running high in confidence and. Um, you know, with that a bowling with that bowling attack, um, they were pretty uh, confident we they could um, bowl us out again. Right, heading into yesterday, of course, uh, they were one down. Uh, they had uh, night watchman Nolly Robinson at the crease. Um, what was uh, Tim saying? What were Gary saying in in terms of uh, the prospects for the day? Yeah, well, it was just doing doing our things for long periods. Um, I think you know that wicket um, was still offered a little bit um, out there. It was a very good um, cricket wicket. Um, but we didn't really have the insight. We didn't really look, look to um, you know look look at the end result. But um, it was just doing our things for long periods, and we we knew they were going to come a little hard. Um, but we always we always believed, um, and that was probably the message um, throughout the test match. Really, just keep believing. It was a day that um, ebbed and flowed so much. Uh, you got early success. You had to have a very good first hour. You did. Um, and then the partnership between uh, Stokes and, of course, Joe Root. They're, they're two class acts as such with experience of winning matches. Uh, what was the feeling at lunch when they had sort of defied you for a while? Yeah, they obviously better really well. And we always knew if, if we get one of, the, one of those, um, it sort of opens, opens the door a little bit. But, um, yeah, I think the way Joe Root um, sort of battered his class... Um, you know, and it was a little bit worrying there for a little bit. Um, but obviously, when um, Waggy got um, Stokes, um, you know, we, we knew um, we had an, um, a chance. Um, but yeah, um, they did it really well. And obviously, Waggy did it, what, he, what he did, and it was, it was a pretty special finish. Uh, Tom, let's uh, talk about uh, the last stand. I think they needed seven. Anderson joins uh, Leach and. Anderson hits a four, so you you get down to this point. Um, what was what was the tactic? I mean, uh, you you turn to your two most experienced bowlers in a time like that. Uh, what was the tactic? Was everyone on the same wavelength about what you were trying to do, or were, or were you just sort of um, hoping? Um, I think I'm, 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 I hope everyone was on the same um, wavelength, but um, I, I I think like Waggy. Waggy was just doing his thing in terms of trying to um, sort of tuck tuck the lefties up, and um, and um, for us it was just one of those moments that you know were you know it cut the edge down the leg side, and I was lucky enough to catch it. But um, 
was an incredible finish. Um, I thought when Jimmy hit that fourth of mid wicket, um, that was probably the game for us. But um, luckily for us, um, Waggy, Waggy did the job in the end. A little bit of conjecture, and uh, you're in a decent spot to tell us about this. A little bit of conjecture about a, a possible wide as well. Um, what were your feelings on, on that when you're looking back down the other end to the umpire at the bowlers end? What were you thinking? Um, it's a little bit hard for me, I guess, in terms of seeing the proper height um, from side on. But um, yeah, it was a little bit probably touch and go. But um, obviously, you know, um, it is what it is, and um, we're lucky enough to you know pick up the pick up the win. How did you stay in the moment, uh, Tom? Because, uh, you know, you've played uh, quite a few test matches now, but this quite clearly um, was uh, the most tense in terms of uh, where and when and how, etc. How did you you stay in the moment for that uh, edge down the league side? Um, I guess it's it's taken taken a moment just to look around and and just, um, I guess, smelling, you know, just looking around and just being present and, um, it was a pretty cool game to be a part of um, for a game that you know has come down to the last day and and, and to be so close and um, for me it was just trying to trying to do my processes and you know wanting to be part of um, you know the last week and fortunately for me you know I was, I was lucky enough to get that edge off Waggy. So you know sometimes when you um, are keeping to a bowler who's uh, bowling across a left-hander. Ball goes down leg side. You're not quite sure what it might come off. Sometimes you appeal in optimism. Did you see the deflection? Um, did you did you realise that that was the moment? Yeah, I did. Um, as soon as he sort of went past the bat, I sort of knew um, he had hit it. And um, you know, luckily it went straight into my gloves. Um, I had to take another like little look up to the umpire just to make sure he's he's going to give it. And then um, once I saw that finger up, um, you know, it was a pretty pretty special feeling. Knowing that we um, pulled off something pretty pretty remarkable. Well, it came it came out of nowhere. You were behind the game for such a long period of time. Uh, tell us, um, uh, we could obviously see the joy uh, on the field of play, but what about when you got back to the dressing room? Yeah, it was. Uh, I think you know the the feeling in the dressing room was um, something pretty special. Um, you know, I think a lot of us were quite in shock and. Hadn't sunk in right away, but um, you know it was, it was an amazing feeling after, after yesterday, and um, a pretty well deserved. You know, we sort of fought um, fought at it the whole five days. You know, we were behind the game, um, and to come off and um, to win a game like that, um, yeah, it's just an amazing feeling, and um, still hasn't sunken in for me. But um, you know, hopefully over the coming days it will, and um, you know, is yes, it's a game that's going to be. Um, Remembered for a long time. Well, you scored uh, 38-90 with the bat. Second innings innings was uh, absolutely crucial in the scheme of things. Um, i got to ask you, at that point, it started to, to sort of fall apart after such a great fight throughout the day, which you were part of. Uh, and then, of course, it just it just fell apart. What, what was the feeling then when you sort of opened the door back up for England? Yeah, I guess it was a little bit, little bit disappointing. Um, we sort of let, let them back in the game. Um, you know, obviously betting betting with Kane throughout the day was um, was pretty cool, and obviously to put on that partnership, um, you know, when the team really needed it was was really nice. But um, we obviously let them back in a little bit, and we probably would liked a few more runs. Um, but um, you know, obviously worked out pretty well in the end. But um, yeah, yeah, it's just one of those things, I guess. You're putting together a hell of a record uh, with the bat as well. 
Um, is your highlight still the uh, uh, the hundred at the MCG? Yeah, um, you know that that moment for me is is probably going to be very hard to top. Um, yeah, uh, it's, it's it lives pretty pretty dear to me that moment at the MCG. And I grew up um, watching cricket um, in Australia on TV, and to do it at the MCG, that's yeah, it's going to be a hard one to top. Um, this game, you know, as a team on a team perspective, is is pretty up there. But uh, yeah, very hard to top the MCG. Now talk about the keeping side of it as well. I, I believe um, between yourself and Ben Folks, uh, I think the two best wicket keepers, the two best glovemen playing test cricket at the moment, both of you have showed a willingness to stand up to medium paces, which is not a thing New Zealand keepers have done in the past. Um, I, I just wonder what prompted you to do that and, and how you practice that. Yeah, it was sort of un- unexpected, to be honest. Um, I wasn't, at the start of the day yesterday, I wasn't initially, um, you know, there was not much um, chat spoken about coming up to the stumps, but um, I think it was uh, Tether, he, um, or t- uh, Timmy, who said, do you want to come up? And I think it was to Ollie Pope, who obviously loves to get down the wicket early. Um, and then it sort of um, grew from there. And it was, um, for me, for, for keepers, you know, you want to be, you want to be in the action. You want to be um, challenging yourself. Um, but you, like you say, like in New Zealand, keepers don't really stand up with stumps too much. Um, but yeah, it was a great challenge. Um, and, uh, yeah, something that I really enjoyed. You feel you feel um, um, I guess at home at the basin. Does playing at the basin for you? Does is it different to playing at other grounds? It, it, um, you know, but you know, even with the same blokes, uh, the same opposition, is the basin a different feel for you? Yeah, the Basin's a special one for me. Um, I'm obviously lucky enough to be here um, most days with Wellington, but um, you know, when you, when you play represent New, um, New Zealand here, it's just, it just has a special feeling. Um, it's a lovely ground. I think you know the Wellingtonians support cricket really well. Um, the last five days have been incredible in terms of the support, mostly English though, <laughs> I might add. But um, you know, it's, it's an amazing ground. It's um, you know, I'm very fortunate to call this my um, Turf. Are you superstitious? I mean, do you sit in the same spot in the home dressing room as uh, for the Firebirds and the Black Caps, or are you allowed to? Um, yep, yeah, I, I do sit in the same spot. Um, I know there's a Devon Conway, for example. He he wasn't able to sit in his spot this game. Uh, Kane was in that spot, so um, certain guys have their areas in their training room. But uh, luckily for me, um, I get my um, same spot as uh, um, as I'll be playing for Wellington. Are you a good cricket watcher? I mean, you, do you sit in the viewing room? Do you sit in the dressing room? How do you how do you watch? Or how, how do you uh, when you're not part of the action? How do you partake? Um, I'm pretty relaxed, really. I'm I'm always in the change room, uh, just watching on TV. Um, yeah, I just like like to chill, really. Uh, get get my mind off cricket, and um, you know when it my, when it comes my time to bat, put the pads on and go up to the um, to the viewing area, but. It's quite a nice, uh, relaxing feel when um, when the boys are batting and you're just chilling in the change room. Just finally, um, and I was going to ask you this anyway, but Brad has texted in and said, did he walk home? Because we, we well remember Tom Blundell after a Test match uh, performance. Um, there were people uh, spotting you walking down um, towards the city with your whites on and your black cap on top of your head. Um, I just wonder... Uh, what happened last night? Did you walk home? Um, sadly, no. Um, I live about 20 minutes away um, from the basin now, so it would have been a long walk. But um, 
the boys were in their whites for a long, long time last night, um, especially in that limo. So, um, yeah, no, nah, not this time. Uh, and and how was Baz last night? I mean, you know, your former both uh, wicketkeeper batsman for New Zealand. He, he's clearly in the opposition now. But how was Baz? Yeah, he was good. Um, you know, we we got to spend a bit of time with the English boys um, after the game, and um, they're a good bunch of lads. And um, you know, Baz is great. Um, you know, he's he's obviously done wonders for for their team, and um, it was great sharing sharing a beer with him. Um, um, with the teams together, so yeah, no, they're a great, great bunch of lads, and um, it was, they're great competitors also. So next, um, from uh, the Black Caps' test point of view, was uh, March against Sri Lanka. What? Uh, it's not that far away, actually. Uh, when you think about it, only what you can have any cricket, or just have a spell between now and then. Um, I think there's going to be a, probably an eight-day break, um, bit of a breather in between then, and then we'll um, catch up in um, Christchurch um, and prepare for, for those two tests. But um, yeah, it's, it's, we're, we're looking forward to that. We've you know got a bit, bit of momentum now. Um, our confidence is you know pretty high after that win, so hopefully we can um, win that series two uh, 0 That was brilliant, absolutely brilliant, Tom. You were so much, so much a part of it. Um, it will always be. Caught Blundell by Wagner as the last act of a famous test match. So we congratulate you on that um, and hope that you get to enjoy and relish it uh, in the years ahead. Uh, fantastic for us, fantastic for you, and also fantastic you've given us some time, mate. Thank you very much. Enjoy a breather. No worries, mate. Appreciate it. Take care. Yeah, cheers. Tom Blundell there, um, good enough to come on uh, the morning after, uh, the day before, and a uh, big celebratory night by the sound of it as well. And why not? Why not? Uh, such a great test match and uh, such a great result from a New Zealand point of view. We'll have a panel to talk about it very shortly. It'll be Andrew Gordy and Graham Leggy Beasley. Graham Legspin Beasley, uh, the other panellists. Tough. We'll be here for you on SCNZ. Thinking of you, my beautiful Hawks Bay and all of New Zealand. Kia kaha. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Right, OK, let's uh, get stuck into a panel uh, the day after. An incredible victory in both of these men. Absolutely love their cricket, Andrew Gordy and uh, Graham Beasley. And uh, Andrew Gordy, uh, what were you making of that as that unfolded yesterday? Morning, Smithy. Mainly, I was just thinking, what a birthday present for you that must have been, watching that unfold <laughs> at the Basin Reserve. Uh, happy birthday to you for yesterday. Um, uh, magic, wasn't it? Just a- absolutely magic. Like, uh, you know, uh, what did I, I think I borrowed a borrowed a phrase from uh, from Martin Tyler watching that. Um, I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. Um, it was just brilliant, wasn't it? And, you know, I know he's probably not listening, so we can probably say this, but man, Brendan McCullum deserves a lot of credit, I think, for what we saw yesterday, because and I know we touched on this last week, um, but this just this, this whole change in mindset around the approach to test cricket, you know, you, you could call it aggressive and, and attacking, but it's just positive playing to win and playing for result. Result cricket is essentially what they're trying to play. And they absolutely played their part in that result yesterday. It, it did not, or that, that spectacle yesterday is what I should say. I know they didn't get the result, but I think they, they know, and Brendan knows, that 
if England play like that, the way they did, chasing victory um, on the final day, uh, they will win more games than they lose. They, they lost yesterday, but, you know, Smithy, how many times have we seen a team at 80 for five, one nil up in the series, on day five of the second test, just simply shut up shop and play for the draw and walk away with the series win? That's the sort of approach that has led test cricket to where it is now. And I say hats off to Brendan, hats off to England um, for the approach that they're bringing to Test cricket. It's a, it's a pretty noble thing, I think, and pretty selfless. Um, if, they, if that's what they're doing to, to try and save Test cricket, I think what they delivered yesterday, along with the Black Caps, obviously, um, was, mm. was a tremendous advertisement for Test cricket. Yeah, it takes two to play ball uh, when you want to play Test cricket of that kind of fashion. Uh, but New Zealand did play their part, and uh, it's a good morning to uh, Graham Legbreak Beasley. That's his nickname, uh, of course, a uh, big uh, cricket writer in terms of uh, sports freak. Uh, Graham, what did you make of it yesterday? You've seen a lot of test matches. I have seen a lot of test matches, and I was fortunate enough to be at all five days um, for that test match. And it takes a while to sort of calibrate things, but I can't think of a better test match that I've been to. Um, yeah, all the cliches about the ebbs and flows and, and the subplots, etc. in over five days. And, and yesterday, by my estimation, the, the advantage, if you like, who was in the better position, changed hands about nine times during the day. And in, in that last hour, it would have changed about five times. Um, it, just, it just had absolutely everything. And um, really good to hear you talking to Tom Blundell before, because I think his, his impact yesterday was massive. Mm-hmm. He clearly put Ollie Pope off his game when Pope came in and um, uh, Bundle started to um, stand up for the stumps against the, against the fast bowlers and, you know, the bravery of that. I mean, just stand up for Neil Wagner. Um, yeah, that takes huge bravery. Um, the run out of Brook. If, if Bundle hadn't been already at the stumps, there was, uh, there was no run out of Brook and, uh, you know, and the whole game would be different. And then that catch to get rid of Jimmy Anderson, um, you know, that, that was... He had to travel a long way to get that, and um, uh, to seal the win like that, um, it just yeah, it was it was a fantastic day. And the other player who should get a lot of credit is Matt Henry, because he basically had to be carried from the field before lunch, and then he comes back after lunch and bowls ten over straight and takes one for nineteen. I mean, just the just the bravery to do that. Um, I don't know what they injected him with, but um, but you know, that, that was a really <laughs> important facet of play. Yeah, some good stuff, whatever it was. Yeah, uh, Blundell continues to impress uh, Andrew. Um, what about Wagner? I've got to say, when I looked at Leo Wagner's speeds at the Bay Oval and at times at the Basin Reserve, I thought, is uh, that, that lion heart, is, uh, it, it will always be there, but are the legs and the lungs, etc., just just starting to let him down? But then you put him in a situation like that, Neil Wagner, and you say, I've trusted you before, I've got to trust you again, it's you and me, um, from Tim Southey's point of view. What about Wagner? Yeah, uh, look, Smithy, Wagner is obviously getting older, right? And physically, I think his, his best days are, are, are behind him. But that heart, like, show me another cricketer, show me arguably another sportsman who's got a heart like Neil Wagner. And, and I think yesterday clearly brought out the best of in him, right? When, when, there's, when there's a sniff, and, and there's a chance of, of doing something amazing, but knowing how hard you're going to have to work for it, Neil Wagner's your guy. And Tim Southey knows that. And frankly, I mean, the entire team knows that. And I think that Wagner thrives off those situations. And, and we obviously saw that yesterday. Look, I mean, 
I think he'll probably look back on those on the four wickets that he took in that second innings. Not, none of them are, uh, you know, they're, they're not sexy, are they? But they're effective, mm. and uh, mm. and he got the job done. And my goodness, like, yeah, I can't stress it enough. Like, there's no one else you'd want in the trenches with you, is there? I mean, he he just he has everything about him: the the heart, the passion, um, and just the work ethic. I suppose to to keep going. And and you can see the way that the rest of the team just just thrives off him as well. They feed off his energy, and that is, you know, that's just priceless when it comes to a final day when a test victory is in the offing. And yeah, he, he really delivered yesterday. Ten thirty-one here on SENZ. We've got the panel with Andrew Gordy and Graham Beasley. We'll be back. Uh, we haven't finished with the cricket yet, but we've got to take a news break uh, with Aroha. Big talk, big opinions. The panel. Andrew Gordy and uh, Graham Beasley with us uh, this morning. Graham Beasley, lucky enough to be at all five days of uh, the Basin Reserve Test, which puts you in a very good position to judge who you thought the the player of the match would be. Graham, they gave it to Kane Williamson on the back of the fact that they turned it round from a follow-on situation uh, to a win. Uh, but Joe Root must have been desperately unlucky. What a privilege to see two great players on show like that. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I mean, it's strange, isn't it? It's it, it kind of is a rule that the start of the match has to go to someone from the winning team, which in a test match over five days um, is differentiated by only one run. Does does seem a bit hard. So, in terms of performance, um, uh, Root Root was the player of the match. Um, but in terms of coming from a New Zealand point of view, and I mean, I guess I touched on this before. I just thought it was Tom Blundell. Because, I mean, he basically got as many runs as Williamson across the test anyway. And, and just his performance yesterday. And as I say, you know, a big factor in three wickets. And I think he kept Root in check a bit too by standing up to him the whole time. Um, but people, people don't recognise keepers' performances. They just Smithy, really. And, you know, in terms, of, <laughs> um, in terms of Man of the Match award. No, traditionally, uh, the, the glove work is uh, overlooked. Uh, if a wicket keeper, you, you, you get your likes of uh, your McCallums over the years. Or you get your... You're Adam Gilchrist. It's generally for the batting aspect of it um, that they are thrown into the mix. But yeah, it's an interesting choice. Um, Good. So uh, Kane Williamson again. Now he's averaging, I think, around 69 post captaincy. So it might not have been a bad move. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. And and look, uh, look in terms of who should have been the man of the match. I mean, yeah, you could you could pick any number really, couldn't you? From and like you say, from both sides. I, I didn't. I didn't strongly disagree with Kane Williamson getting the man of the match. I thought his innings was um, was an outstanding one. It was it was really gritty, but it was just so timely. I think not not just for the team, but for the man himself. I mean, like you say, he's got a very healthy average, but you know he didn't have a great time in the first test, did he? And I and I think we all just sort of take for granted that Kane Williamson's going to score runs and, and going to score some decent runs, and pretty much every time he walks out um, in a test match. It, and it hasn't necessarily always been been the way for him recently. So, I think both, like I say, for him and the team, it was a it was a timely and an important innings. And you know, could you say it was the the difference between the two sides? I think you could make an argument for it. I mean, you know, without his runs, um, you know, New Zealand wouldn't have been in the position that that they were in. And, and I think we could safely say that uh, England would have won the Test match. But you know, you could probably make that case for a, for a number of people and their performances uh, across the five days at the Basin Reserve. Um, I mean, going back to Neil Wagner, I mean, you know, if we're, if we're talking about a man of the match, well, you'd certainly say he was the man of the day. 
uh, on day five, and that was the decisive one. So, yeah, look, just so many wonderful performances. And, look, I wholeheartedly agree, Graham, with what you're saying about Tom Blundell. Um, that was a really, uh, I don't want to say underrated, but I, there hasn't probably been enough said about the impact that he made when you've got, when you've got a sniff of victory to make that decision to stand up to the stumps and just, just keep that pressure on. You know, you've got, to, you've got to create pressure. You've got to build pressure. That's what Test cricket's really all about, isn't it? It's putting, it's putting batsmen under pressure um, and seeing how they can cope with it. And I think he played a huge part, particularly in that, in that first hour. Um, and like you say, the run out of Brook, which was, which was a, I think, it just a huge moment in the day, wasn't it? That was when, that was when it changed. The mood changed from there are charts here to, you know, this is a, this is a, a, moving from a possibility to a probability kind of thing. So there was a, there was a big switch um, in the game, I think, in the atmosphere around the game at that moment. And yeah, he had a huge part to play in that. So fair play to him. Well, English cricket, Graham, goes back a long, long way, and uh, so does their relationship with the media. Um, in days gone by, England cricket teams who would have enforced the follow-on and gone over to gone on to lose a test match would have been lambasted by um, those people that uh, travel and follow them, uh, the scribes, as they say. Uh, I think these days, because of the type of cricket they're producing and their record, uh, they're a lot more patient with them. I, I understand the reaction wasn't too bad, Graham. No, it wasn't that bad. Um, I'll tell you what, though, they're going to make a lot about that possible wide in the penultimate ball of the game. Um, there's a lot of chat about which umpire was standing on what end at the time, and obviously, you know, they're sort of uh, uh, mentioning Chris Gaffney, etc. So um, I think we can expect to hear a bit about that over the next few days. Um, they're also not happy, and this is the sort of thing that comes up in this country, they're not happy that Ben Stokes is going to the IPL. Um, given his injury concerns, and you know, it was uh, yeah, another factor in this test match was that Stokes pretty much didn't bowl, um, and so they've 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 got Stokes's number a little bit. Um, although he did redeem himself yesterday, but by how he batted until that awful shot that he played to get out. Um, yeah, as as for the follow-on thing, it could well be a long time. I mean, Australia stopped enforcing the follow-on after what happened in. Um, um, in India in 2001 and it'll be interesting to see if England changes their approach as well because another really important factor in this match looking back over the whole game was the opening partnership in the second innings with Conway and Latham mm. putting on 150. You know, I don't think England yep. expected that at all. You know, their, their whole gamble in terms of enforcing the follow-on was to rip the top off again and that's why Anderson hadn't bowled before they enforced the follow-on that day was so, so that he was fresh. Um, and then for Latham and Conway to bat like that, that was that was when certainly when the shift started. Right, Gord, here's um, a more pointed question. We can bask in the glory of it as long as we like, and we probably will. But here's the thing: the next Test match against Sri Lanka is just uh, nine days away. I just wonder whether Gary Stead and Gavin Larson rest on this, or take this on, or learn from it in terms of the makeup of their side. Because uh, one thing's come out of this for me, and it was completely obvious yesterday. Uh, we can't rely on Michael Bracewell as a spinner. He's a talented all-round cricketer. Uh, he's brilliant in the field. He can be explosive with the bat. But he ain't going to bowl sides out just yet, uh, particularly sides like Sri Lanka who play spin pretty well. What do we do against Sri Lanka? Do we learn or do we just uh, bank on what we've got? Gords. Yeah, that's a really good question, Smithy. And, uh, and <laughs> I can't... I wish I could step into Gary Stead's mind because sometimes I just can't understand what, what he and Gavin Larson are thinking, to be perfectly honest. You're right about Michael Bracewell. I don't think he can be relied upon 
just yet. Um, I suppose the other factor in all of this, maybe, is like for for, for many many years, um, this this Black Caps test team and, and its success has been built on pace, and you know there's really been room for a for a, a full time spinner, I suppose, in a in a New Zealand test lineup. Um, what, why aren't we going back to to what we know works in our conditions? Um, perhaps it's because there's a lack of depth. Perhaps it's because they're not prepared to pick up the, the phone to Trent Bolt. And I know we've done that issue to death, so we w- probably don't need to turn over it again. But um, I think it will be really interesting to see whether they learn from it, whether they alter their selections, whether yeah the makeup of the team changes for that series because. If, if they don't learn from that, you've got to really start asking some serious questions, don't you, about what, why they do stick with certain players, certain selections. I mean, Henry Nichols is, is another, isn't it? Um, that guy is just, he's just so, so badly out of form. He, it's, and it's a shame because for a period there, he was, um, he was one of the standouts in this team, uh, ever, ever reliable, you know, between him, Kane Williamson, Ross Taylor, Tom Latham, they were, they were the guys we looked to for runs. Um, they were standout performers in that, that team that made it all the way to winning a World Test Championship. But he's, he's off his game as well, so something needs to probably change there too. But, yeah, uh, Michael Bracewell, I'd, I'd be surprised if, uh, if he was starting the next test. OK, and uh, very quickly, Graeme, what would you be doing with that New Zealand eleven? I'd certainly like to see Sody play. Um, I think he bowled really well in Pakistan, um, and although this shouldn't really come into the equation, the other thing about Sadie is that he can bat as well. So um, I'd, I'd like to see a leggy, you know, some, someone who spins it both ways, come back into the equation. As for the middle order, gee, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I agree with Andrew about Nichols being a worry, but I mean, he he outscored Will Young in this Test match. You know, Young had a couple of failures, Nichols got a couple mm-hmm. of thirties, which is the sort of thing that John Parker used to do when he was about to get dropped. But um, So uh, it would be bold call to keep Young and drop Nichols after what's happened in this test. And then there's Glenn Phillips waiting in the wings. And I think he has the ability to be a test batsman. But he's just played in a Plunkett Shield game against Wellington. He's got a couple of 50s at a strike rate of 150 or something and then got out in both innings. Now, it's pretty hard to elevate someone to the test match if that's what they're producing in first-class form. I mean, I will... I thought that someone of Glenn Phillips' ability should be able to go to the Punker Shield and bat for four hours and score a big century. And I think that's what the selectors would be looking um, looking for from him. But um, just just at the moment, I, I don't think he seems to be in the right um, in the right mindset to um, to go and play test cricket. Graham Beasley and uh, Andrew Gordy have been with us uh, on this famous morning. Uh, reflect me on a famous test match. So, uh, gentlemen, thank you very much for your time this morning as part of the panel. Uh, and hopefully we'll have uh, another one tomorrow morning around about uh, 20 past 10. Thanks, gents. Have a great day. It is uh, 10.43 here on SENZ. SENZ. It's Kiwi for sport. Call anytime. 0800 150 811. You succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. <laughs>
We're about 11 minutes away from the live barrier draw for the New Zealand Derby. A million dollars worth uh, being uh, raced uh, at uh, Tarapa this week and uh, Louis Herman Watt has uh, joined us now. He's also going to stay with us uh, between uh, 11 and uh, 11.30, 11.40 perhaps as we review the barrier draw um, and uh, talk to a few people involved in it. Craig Baker from Auckland uh, Thoroughbred Racing will be coming in to officiate that side of it. Uh, but Louis, we shouldn't neglect the fact there's a decent old race there at Awapuni today, including the Lowland Stakes, which would have been raced here in Hawke's Bay, weather and, um, I guess, climate and everything else considered. Yeah, uh, Little Avondale Stud loves supporting this smithy, and it's a fantastic race day. Morning to you. It's um, a Wednesday that we shouldn't take for granted. Midweek Group 2 racing. Oh, dearie me. What am I going to do today, I wonder, after I get these barriers announced and I... Start loading my tear. Is there going to be anything left for me to spend by uh, Saturday? That is the major question. It means I better have a winner today. And I think I've got one, actually. Me and uh, well, Bevan Sweeney and I, geez, there's some synergy there. We had a couple of best bets shared between us. One in particular, race two, Colorado Silver. I think she's pretty progressive. I know the stable have a huge opinion of her. She gets Michael McNair, Barrier 3, in race number 2. Up against some pretty decent uh, three-year-olds, Fellini, Duncan Creek, Bessella, Boasting, Churchillian. It's a competitive race. Four eighty dollars seventy. the market's been supporting her ever since she opened and uh, off her fresh-up win at Totoniko. I don't see why you wouldn't expect a little bit of improvement and... Um, something similar. So that's my first bet, best bet today, Smithy. Race to Colorado Silver. Okay, that's cool. Um, I should just point out that On the Bubbles has actually snuck into a race here. A uh, hmm. race for, of course, uh, the winner of the Magic Million two-year-old. Uh, doesn't mind racing at Awapuni. It's been, uh, its form has been mixed. The, the big boy's on. Opie's on. they got two in the race with Marcus Aurelius. But uh, have a little look at On the Bubbles. At the moment, it's three bucks. Three, you might be able to get it uh, just around three bucks still. Uh, but horses for courses, if it um, if it's anything like it was, would be winning that. Yeah, 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 exactly. Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, right, he's never missed the distance, to be honest. No, and no. I just you just don't know where he's at. It, look, the other one I'd like to point out, Smithy, is um, race six, each way Apache and oh five fifty at two dollars ten. Now, right, so punters have come. Fair enough too. I think it's a nice chance. And I don't know about the Lowland. I, I mean, Family Ties looks hard to beat, but. Sweens was t- tipping out Penny Wicker. Radio, okay, uh, Louis, take a, a breather. Uh, we'll be back with you in about eight or nine minutes uh, as uh, you host the, this uh, officiating of the Derby draw. That's coming up very shortly here on SENZ.